0: You're listening to Dirty Feet, a podcast from No More Radio. Vous
1: écoutez le podcast Dirty Feet sur les ondes de No More Radio, hosted by animé par Alison Burns, J.D. Papillon, and Stéphanie Moréroba. Stay tuned.
0: We're gonna move you.
1: Good morning and welcome to our 116th episode of Dirty Feet. Um, this very cold morning, uh, we are lucky to have Sonia Stefan here with us to warm up the studio. Um, and we will be having a delightful conversation with her, uh, talking about her involvement in Dana Gingras' piece uh, that will be presented very soon, uh, the 11th, 12th and 13th at 8 p.m. at La Goura de la Danse. And this piece is called In Between Maybe. Um, this conversation will uh, evolve around uh, not only her involvement as a collaborative uh, dancer in the work, uh, but also the different textures in the work involving uh, around music, around uh the inspiration behind the work which touches a lot on uh, uh, different video terminology and cinema work Um, so let's jump right in
0: So today we're welcoming uh, Sonia Stefan, who is a performer and uh, artistic collaborator. I guess we could say for this week's Animals of Distinction presentation, choreographed by Dena Jengra. Uh, the show is called Somewhere Between Maybe. And that's going to be at the Agora de la Danse on February 11th, 12th, and 13th at 8 p.m. Sonia, Stefan, it's not our first time welcoming you in the studio. Uh, It's our first time welcoming you as a dancer and performer in a show, though. So, hi, how are you doing today?
2: I'm really cold, but everything is really good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so just so that everyone knows, this episode is being recorded on the Monday morning. Uh, You'll probably be listening to it on the Tuesday. Hopefully by then it's not going to be as cold, but this morning it's hella cold. Um, So hi, uh, Sonia again. So um, yeah, this is a a project that actually started two years ago. could you tell us a bit about the genesis of this project? Because there is a really interesting story behind how this project came together.
2: Yes. Um, the project started um, where Jamie Wright and I were matched with Dana at a Montreal Dance Choreographic Research Workshop. And what was really interesting about this workshop is that it's one week. And um, it's uh, the goal is not to have uh, a product by the end of the week. It's really process-orientated. And uh, every day you... Go into a studio with the choreographer they talk about their ideas you workshop them and then at the end of the day you show the ideas to the rest of uh, the other choreographers the other dancers the other dance theorists and as a group everyone discusses the work and i love this idea because it doesn't put anyone in a hierarchy everybody's in the same situation and really really um, interested in the work why are we doing things uh, what is the process, what are alternative ways of finding um, uh, movements or or approaching the choreographer's idea. So, yeah, I think it was two years ago that Dana was matched with both of us. And for me, it was interesting because I didn't know Dana beforehand. It was my first time meeting her. So it was really like a, a, a new meeting of, you know, of an artist. And... Um, and Jamie I knew before, so, and everybody, I don't know if everyone knows, but Jamie Wright is quite fantastic as a dancer, as an interpreter. She teaches, she does, like, multiple things in the dance world. So I have, um, like, a big connection with Jamie and Dana just because of how we function within the dance world.
0: And for people who might not be aware of this, this uh, this week of choreographic research uh, is also, um, there's a parallel thing happening during it, which the people doing the choreographic research are also doing, uh, and it's the morning talks. Um, I think it's called let's talk. Yes. Uh, and you know, uh, you you might introduce it better than me, but basically it's a series of guests every morning of the week coming in to discuss uh, different aspects of dance and of creation. Who do you remember being those guest lecturers?
2: Um, I love those lectures because I find that they bridge this connection with people who are in the milieu doing it, as well as academics who are really interested in what we do. And and it really spans. Like um, Chris Salter from Hexagram came, and he has a a big connection with media and dance, and I'm also really interested in that. Um, Linda Goudreau came this year, Philip Spohr. Um, Aaron Manning, who's also, uh, uh, she works at, at Concordia. She's done lots of research, the connection of performance. and um,
0: uh, Larry Lavender Larry also Lavender. has he's, been doing it for a few years. Yeah, he
2: comes every year and talks a lot about form, about how we are in the studio, how we... Um, gather and give uh, information, and also I find that those morning talks de- develop kind of um, a way of speaking about work. It helps us uh, practice that, it helps us um, meet people that might not be in the performance milieu but are still doing incredibly interesting things outside of the dance milieu and really connected to dance. So the the workshop is really amazing in that respect and then we you know in the afternoon go and work in a studio and then at night like i said we do this um showing and this discussion and everybody's part of the discussion and the choreographers after have to go through a dinner with the mentors and they even discuss it more so it's quite intense the whole week but i feel like it touches upon multiple aspects of dance which i find fascinating
0: and you were talking about how during the afternoons, people go into studios and, and work. Is it everyone in the same studio at the same time? Is it all of the pairings together? Is it split into different studios? Um,
2: every year it happens. Well, uh, most of the years it happens at Agora de la Danse, but uh, they use the studios at um, on the fourth floor at can. Uh, the studio theater in the bottom floor that used to be tangente, so usually there 's four choreographers matched with two dancers, and everybody goes into their studio. but every day the studio rotates so one day you might end up with a really tiny you know studio or you might have the big theater at Agora de la danse or the studios upstairs, which all kind of um, require a different approach because all those spaces with with you know moving bodies. They all it, it's different, the context, the the feeling of how the work progresses is always really uh, different approaches. But what's nice is that every day it changes. So every day you're you're faced with new challenges and questions.
0: And that year with uh Dana Schengren, Jimmy Jamie Wright, um what's your memory of, of how that that merging of the, t- the two uh, performers and the choreographer came together because yourself working a lot as a choreographer um you probably came to it with your own expectations to some extent uh, how did it go working with someone that you didn't really know Uh someone else that you knew a bit but you know for the first time working together how did that go during the throughout the week with with the process
2: It's funny, talking about that beginning, it's funny, that beginning process kind of set us up for the whole process. I remember that um, Dana talked a lot about uh, cinema terms like jump cutting. She talked about the space in between, um, the idea of um, image, of being in the space where either something had just happened or will happen, so really, really that in between space also she brought objects into the room, um very unspectacular objects, like a bucket, <laughs> which Jamie and I worked a lot with and still are working with the bucket and um so again, it was kind of uh it laid the groundwork of um of Dana. Mm-hmm giving us information of what she's interested in. And again, because it's not product-based, she was kind of free to explore it any way she wanted. Also in those, that first week, you kind of understood that she really wanted Jamie and I to speak about how, what we thought or our ideas. And so there was a real um, clump, complicity between us. And uh, so, yeah, the, so it really, really set us up for the, for the next two years and we what was really interesting about this process is that she never videoed it. um we wrote things on cards um uh, we went to visit um uh Christian Marclay the clock at the Mac because she was again really influenced by his work and uh, and we looked at books and you know we we talked a ton and um and so that was what was so interesting is that she didn't video record us each time. It was really just kind of a process that lived in our bodies and our minds as we went along.
0: Now one thing that's really interesting, because I haven't seen that piece, um, I've never seen Dana Gingale's solo work, but talking about, you you know, hearing you talk about her interests, um, there's a huge parallel that can be made with yours. Uh, you're doing your MFA at um, at Concordia in, in Cinema Studies. Mm-hmm. Uh you know and and you're also very interested in bringing in props uh, exploring the, the relationship between you know people and and their environment um did you feel that artistically speaking you, you found a sort of connection there right away with uh, with the, the choreographer
2: um yes um uh, right away when I knew that Dana was interested in cinema and also in expanded cinema, so works that people would show um, in, in galleries or maybe they would, in performance modes, those kind of things, um, there was like an immediate connection to that. And um, and again, with Jamie as well, like, um, like I said, I've known Jamie a really, really long time. It's the first time that we've danced together and there's... Um, I would say that I could I feel like I understand the way Jamie moves and she understands the way I move and so again there's another complicity between us. And um so yeah, it was it was easy to connect to this work. I mean I'm interested in the exact same things that Dana's interested in. She has kind of a different approach to it, but there's different definitely bridgeways between her and me.
1: So jumping two years later after um, the three of you have met and kind of created all of these links and understood each other and and worked on the process without necessarily thinking of the final product, Um, but now there is a final product. So where where did that happen, Uh, the link or that transition between just working um, on these concepts and researching to actually uh, establishing something a little more clear and and uh, building a show
2: i would say it happened fairly recently but (laughs) (laughs) which is quite funny because um there's a big connection to um there's an object in the show uh the record players and there's one particular record that i've heard a lot it's uh the caretaker and uh we use this album and I mean, it it really got so much part of my DNA that I I sing it and I don't even realize I'm singing it, like as I'm picking up my daughter from work and uh, from school, sorry. Um, So fairly recently, this record kind of helped us form the piece. And um, so, again, like the, the connection to objects, so record players, there's a bucket. I don't know if you've seen in the photos, there's these plastic cheap, Prosthetics that we wear mm-hmm. there's a mask um, all very linking to the idea of image and the connection of body image space object, so the record player um and the record actually helped us formulate the piece and kind of gave us a structure and like a and then everything line. a timeline yeah, that's okay. the best way to describe it mm-hmm. a timeline and then um as well as that, I would say, I didn't mention this, but there was also the idea of working in and outside of the frame. So the space actually gave us a lot of structure as well, meaning like um, where our bodies are our relationships in terms of being in the frame, outside of the frame, what is the perspective of the, fr- of the frame, how are people um, looking at the work, from what perspective are they looking at the work. So all those things, and I'd say in the last year, kind of all came together
0: and when it comes to the link with the artwork and the clock um the how like did it influence mostly the the idea of time uh, in in the piece like of the approach to time of the time being lived uh, by the performers um is it something like akin to uh i would say maybe Gilles Deleuze, uh the concept of uh, image time mm-hmm. is that how this this influenced the the approach of the work or
2: I would say definitely. Um, There's definitely a side A and a side B. And um, yes, okay, Christian Marclay's The Clock. There's a certain structure and form in it. And, um, and the sense of time, like when you go to see that piece at one in the morning, you realize cinema structures, like there's a lot of vampire movies where people wake up and then there's a lot of like murders and stuff like that at four o'clock. You know, there's a lot of people getting home from work and going for a drink. So there's, and it has a lot of relationship with how real life is. So that work really, really accentuates cinema structures, cinema narrative structures. In this piece, I would say that it's it's kind of the same, like there's a certain sense of time. And, uh, and um, movement is really the perception of movement, the amount of movement, the quality of movement, the texture of movement. Again, the relationships that we have with the, the space, the objects, each other, um, it kind of, um, I would say the beginning kind of allows you to understand a sense of time and then as you get into the, into the work, there's a sense of loss of time, especially with the music of the caretaker. I don't know if you've heard it. It's, it loops a lot. Mm-hmm. It feels like, a, for me, it feels like a music that I heard when I was very young taking ballet class, but I was in the hallway putting on my shoes you know you hear this far away music so the sense of time for me it's like you can't place it really almost like dreamlike in another yeah you know? yeah dreamlike and almost hazy, not like or? hazy. Perfect. Yeah. yeah it really has that sense of being in between because it's, a, it's music that you feel like you recognize but you don't know where the beginning or end is <laughs> so it's um, yeah the looping feeling is definitely there without knowing it's there
0: it's interesting to, to think about this aspect of, of all this haziness and this, this being in in between the spaces uh, and to put this into context with something you mentioned before uh, we started the recording where you were saying that it's very much to some extent about being in the present moment. Mm-hmm. It's very much about uh, being focused on, on what you're doing and being uh, able to make choices on the fly how um do, do you feel that this might be uh, a dichotomy or a tension that was desired by the choreographer to have this this sort of like uh floating headspace with this very in the present moment physicality and mentality of what you're doing on stage
2: I know that when i've s- once i dana and i I met her at the Mac we it was after show she was actually she had arrived we both had arrived kind of after the show was over and we were both commenting how interesting it is to be in a space after or before a show like you sense that something happened you have the energy of what happened it's so that's what's interesting yeah for this piece we're definitely in the present because our attention has to be really like 100 and, 100% But again, it's, you get lost. You're, you you do have the sense that you have, you had just missed the moment or you're about to get into the moment. So it's, it's a very strange feeling like within my body and within my mind. And, um, it, it's, it's amazing that we actually, I feel like that we've accomplished, like I feel I have accomplished that feeling through the process that we went through. So yes, I, I feel like there's a double nature to the piece.
0: It's interesting it it's making me making me think of this um this quote that I'm going to paraphrase by Jim Jarmusch the filmmaker where he was saying that in most conventional cinema um you're going to be filming the important points in in a narrative in industry in what's you know being shown on screen so you're going to have the guy who wakes up eats breakfast then it cuts just as getting he's getting into his car then it's going to cut back to him getting out of the car and heading to work but for him as a filmmaker what he said that was interesting was those moments in between of what happens on his ride uh, to to work in the car and just him you know basically just looking at at his surroundings changing the music um drinking his coffee and those moments that are not purely entertaining, but are there's a an authenticness, a genuineness to them. Uh, is this something that as part of the process you felt uh, difficult to to elaborate on? Because those are not the entertaining moments. Those are not the moments that we're gonna go towards when we're trying to create a show because we want to keep the audience satisfied, we want to keep the audience entertained. Do you feel that there was a a sort of voluntary shift towards Those moments that we wouldn't really focus on when creating a piece for public consumption.
2: You have such very interesting words like entertainment, public consumption. (laughs) Those those words, Um, those are interesting to me. Um, The mundane, like the mundane, when put together in interesting ways, becomes very, very interesting to me because Mm -hmm. they they can create narrative, or uh, a state, or a feeling, or information of some sort so for me we say mundane but it's not mundane um we all know that most filmmaking i mean it's changing now but you know hollywood you know controlled it all and there was a certain way of telling a story but now there's many many filmmakers who work outside of the context of that and they like Christian Marclay, you know, it's a film geek extraordinaire, you know, who went out and got hundreds and hundreds of film to make a timeline to create twenty-four hours, and like I said, that work, um, it it gives you different information. You start understanding cinema structures. How I don't want to. I'll guess I'll use this word: uh, manipulation of storytelling. So in a way, it's such a mundane task to do that, and um, but the outcome is really, really interesting, and I think it's the same with this piece, like, the objects are like cheap, cheap, cheap objects, you know, like, and um, and they're specific objects, and uh, and the movement is very specific, and maybe we could say um, pared down or really to its essence, and and with all the elements put together, um, I, I feel like it it created a really, really interesting piece that I think that Dana's really it's really a departure from her other work. She really wanted to explore something else and I think she she has done that in this piece. So
3: speaking about these objects and I'm looking at the the photos and the video and there's there's bright colors and there is that kind of uh the, the cheapness that you're talking about uh, in, in the quality of, of this, these masks and these buckets and things. Um, and and I, I can't tell if there's humor there or if, if it's more of like a almost grotesqueness.
2: I think it's in between. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the photos, Austin Young um took the photos he's from LA for me it was fantastic that he was from LA because my first dance experience like when i was 19 i went to LA to be a dancer so when he showed up i'm like all right the LA photographer showed up <laughs> anyway austin is an amazing person you should check out his work but i have to say that photo shoot the four uh the four of us laughed all day long like usually photo dance photo shoots shoots are I don't know what your experience is so of it. So serious. They're serious, <laughs> and you have to be good, and you have to look beautiful. And the fact that my hair is like a disaster, and I'm wearing awful my awful jogging pants, like I just, I was in love with the whole day. And I have to say it was one of the funnest days I've had in a photo shoot. So um, so yeah, in terms of the bright colors, I mean, cheap objects, I don't know, they're bright. <laughs> I the only way to and you know like, like I'm wearing my horrible like that purple shirt's my painting shirt and Jamie has that awesome shirt that says I'm very popular and one yeah. thing about Jamie I realized she loves t-shirts that have things on them like sayings so when you see Jamie you should just check out her t-shirts <laughs> and so yeah it, w- it was definitely a day of um, kind of laughing and and again um, even the. I love the video it's, uh Mark who shot the video. It's very lo-fi. He used, um, uh, I think it's called, um, he used Super 8 as well as, I think it's called a Sony Porta Pack, I have to check, which was a camera that they had made, I think for, um, it was like a Barbie product for kids, and he shot with this camera, and again, I was in love with that process because it's a... Well, there's
0: this very grainy image to it, right? Uh, yeah. Much, much in the way that um, some filmmakers have started to go back and using filters to to change their image to give it that, mm-hmm. that sense. But with this, based on what you're saying, the technology used was that it. that was that was part of it. It wasn't just something that was altered afterwards. It was actually how the image was captured, yeah, right from the start.
1: Yeah, he- he like a record player texture.
2: Yeah, you and know, which um, links really well. Yeah, I mean it's funny because the objects in the room, you know, whereas some of them were bought new, you know, um, some are old objects. Like an example, the the record players is, is the biggest example, and I think that that's another link that I have is this connection of um, not having hierarchy over objects. Like I don't care if the camera is super fancy or not fancy, I would still be the same per, you know person in front of it. So um, so that's what's interesting about this. Again, it's all in between all these things, you know, image, how the, like Austin's photos are quite bright and clear and versus the video. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, going back to the video, there's another really striking element in it, which is the use of mirrors um, mm-hmm. as part of the scenography, And it's not something that we see in the pictures at all, but it seems very prevalent in, in the piece based on what we see in the video. How much of the scenography is actually just mirrors other than the props being used?
2: It's interesting because during that process, we had brought all the objects in and there were lots of things there. And Linda Goudreau had come in and at one point she's like, you got to take out all the objects. There's too many. Like she, she made us wipe the stage. So there's actually no mirrors in the show anymore and uh so it's it was there at that moment in time when we were in that process but now um we've had to sadly take away um certain objects that we were in love with but we had to take them away because it didn't add to the work so at this moment it's like stripped down objects stripped down uh movement and again um different time structures
0: we haven't talked much about the physicality yet. We've talked a lot about the process. We've talked a lot about uh, all of the surrounding elements. But the physicality, um, you were saying before we started recording that it is a big departure from uh, Dana's usual work. Um, I've, I've never seen her solo work. But what I remembered uh, from Holy Body Tattoo and from videos she's done, uh, it, it was very high intensity movement, very choreographed, very precise for this piece um, it is a departure and in, in what way exactly is it
2: I would say she she was really interested again with cinema ideas, so there was the idea of inside and outside of the frame, so she talked a lot about that we talked a lot about how in cinema when they cut t- from one scene to another scene um, there's like um like something called um match on action. Like you see someone close the door and then the next scene you see them leaving. You don't actually see them go through mm-hmm. the whole process. So or there's another technique called again jump cutting. Um a lot of experimental filmmakers use that where it's one image jumps to another image and it, there's a flipping back and forth, so it has a stutter effect. Uh we use another type of movement um Idea called uh, alien body, where, um, so there's like a super imposition feeling to it, where uh, you sense, you know, when you, you've, you know, you're in your body, but you can't quite sense it. You're, again, you're in that in between s- state, kind of like when you're too drunk and you can't feel your body anymore but you're still dancing
0: (laughs) mom if you're listening i've never been in a state like that
2: (laughs) but there's no drunk feeling but it's this it's this alien feeling of your body um so we have um that also there's this trying to match the other person's body so jamie's doing something i try to like try to physicalize what she's doing but i'm always behind or maybe i jump ahead of her but i never quite match her perfectly so again for me it's kind of a superimposition feeling um jump cutting oh i should talk about prompting she that was one of the first things that she talked about was prompting so she had recorded um simple prompts that we had Placed in in an iPod, and Jamie had her iPod. I had my iPod, and for two months we worked on, you know, we would hear prompt, we would react, we would, and it's not reaction, but we would just do it, the movement purely as it required. So it, the movement almost became an object, and um, I would say even till this day, those four four or five things is what we we use in the piece: is prompting, jump cutting. Alien body, I can't remember what else. And really, really, idea of inside of the outside of the frame. So Jamie and I may uh, we do things outside of the um, stage space. So from the beginning to the end, we're we're in it. Like we never actually go off stage and just hang out or drink water or whatever. But like we're from the beginning to the end, we're we're in it. And so there is this idea uh, also from cinema that um, you might hear something. But you might not necessarily see the image like um, uh like I remember Dana brought us all, and we went and watched um, psycho Hitchcock. <laughs> we talked a lot about his usage of framing uh camera work uh sound um, so so there was a a lot of um yeah relationship with this with those cinema techniques or cinema tools, and we just Reworked it in and for us.
3: Dana's no stranger to Montreal, but she does come from Vancouver. And I'm wondering <laughs> if there is, uh, if that has had any impact, or, or or if you've noticed anything about the way that she works or uh, the things that she's interested in, that you from Vancouver um, that would be specific to where she comes from, or it like working with her versus working with Montreal artists. Is there?
2: I feel like she is a Montreal artist because she's been here a while. Hence, like I feel like I'm a Montreal <laughs> artist, even though I'm not from here. But I've been here like I don't know, thirteen years, fourteen, fifteen years. I feel that all the work I've done has been with people here. All the people I'm in love with are people from here. I even I love other people in Canada, but I love <laughs> the people here a lot. And um, I mean, I haven't asked Dana how long she's been here, but I know that. She's got the space, the stable where she teaches gyrotonics. and I know that she, since she's been on her own, all her work has been here. She's based here. So for me, she's a Montreal artist
1: um and this process is very similar to to things that really inspire um yourself as an artist, and you're you're actually studying studying something that has uh, a lot of parallels and has that fed. Um, your research and what you're doing right now at Concordia and how is that um, going? Or is it, do you feel it exhausting to have to juggle all these things? No, actually, ever since I've
2: finally understood what I'm interested in and where I, who I start following the things that I'm really, really interested in instead of trying to, make money and all or um try to be with the cool choir i don't know whatever those things you do as a young person um (laughs) which i think we all can admit we did um concordia i again i'm in the cinema department i'm an oddity because in the studio arts program i'm the only dance person um in some ways i kind of love that because i'm meeting all kinds of people open media sculptures painters um all, all kinds of artists and um once I start talking about dance, they're very interested. So I feel like I'm connecting them to my world and then I get connected to their world. And then if I know somebody in the dance world who likes that, I try to, like, you know, connect them. Um, It's funny enough, last night I just finished, every year I've been archiving the underground dance community. Like, um, I recently photographed Short and Sweet and I bought this fancy camera that I realized, oh, like, I actually can control... um, and take images of people who I love and respect and I want to you know, so uh, I just finished my two thousand and fourteen um, year of photos that I was lucky enough to capture um, in terms of um, my own stuff um, i I guess for me, image and dance has a huge link um, me and my past how people have portrayed me i've been I was willing i let myself be portrayed a certain way or and in all those questions of um how we are you know like how we are on stage the odd uh, the way we sorry now you're talking i have to talk about me it's so <laughs> confusing but but concordia has been amazing because it's led me to to meet other people who have outside thoughts of of, of performance and And I find those people really, really interesting. And then I find also the people doing, you know, like I, I, for example, short and sweet as an example, I find all those people really, really interesting because they're a blend of so many different things and their approach to making work and, um, yeah, so that's it. So, um, Concordia was like a perfect,
0: um, choice for me. Now, one thing that you've mentioned uh, quite a few times, uh, you know, when it comes to process, when it comes to uh, how you thought about uh, creating the show and the framing, the framing is very much linked to to the gaze. Um, is this something that that is prevalent? This idea of the gaze and how um, how that gaze can be influenced, uh, you know, bringing the attention to to specific aspects of the show. How exactly did the choreographer and the, the the performers approach that that idea of the gaze of the audience watching
2: um, so right from the beginning I this is something Dana actually talked about at the Montreal dance choreographic workshop the work has a specific point of view um, especially a Gora the way the seats are versus the the stage if you, um, there's a very steep rake. So she really placed people at the top of the space of the viewing space where the seats are so that you can see the work as a whole picture. You can take it all in, uh, just like you would a a cinema frame. So again, the idea of inside outside of the frame would be there. And, um, yeah, so that's it. So this the way you view the work is as much part of the work as all the other aspects that I I spoke about. So she th- this viewing it really again it's it comes from cinema point of view, camera work, the way images are are framed.
0: And one thing that's quite often used in um in visual storytelling is going to be Specific elements that are meant to attract the gaze, also like a, a sort of—I um, don't know how to, how to express that—but uh, elements that are meant to to come at the forefront of the the, the image, so that your eye is attracted to it, so that you the, the rest becomes more background. Uh, were those elements of of thinking this will become the central element for the gaze? Uh, did this come in a lot into play in how you need to perform the work?
2: Yeah. Yes. Um, I guess I should mention this too. The team, like, there's uh, Roger Teller for Craig. He's uh, there's he's also has sound in it, and um, Miko is doing the lights. Um, Simone, uh, the scenography. So, what's interesting about all these things is all these people, especially at the end of the process, were all in the room and we all talked about what are we looking at our um, where what is not the important element but what is the element that comes alive in this moment or that moment or is there too many things competing at the same time like where is the gaze and um so that definitely definitely came into into the discussion what i lo- loved about it that it wasn't only like oh where sonya and jamie it was like where are everything all at the same time so we could be talking about the bucket <laughs> or um, um, the masks or the not having the masks or, yeah, again, um, yeah, the space. Like the space in itself is as much as a performer as we are, which I really like this idea because, of course, dance space, I mean, artwork space, it's a huge um, element that I think that should we talk about and it's a really important element in the piece.
1: So that, and, and that said, once this piece is performed here in in Montreal at La Gare de la Danse, are there plans to have this performed anywhere else? And how would that shift the work? Um, and will you guys allow yourself to be more selective of what space, in particular, you would like it to be presented in? Because the space seems to have a quite. The impact on the actual final product or on the experience for the audience and also for for you and Jamie as performers mm, that was interesting
2: because we talked about um, whether this piece could um, there was a joke about oh could this be theater like could this be post dramatic theater <laughs> or um, the thing about the space though also we kind of are very malleable like when we work at the stable, the space is really different than agora and I feel like the piece can live in that space and be as strong in that space, but it's definitely a different viewing experience. You definitely have a different gaze, the way you would see all the objects and us in the space. So it doesn't have to be an agora. It's just that in this instance, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of talk about that space because we knew. But I think that uh, she has opportunity to do it in other spaces. That's what's going to be fun about It's like, what is this space like? How are we going to be what are we going to do? How, what are all the, how are the elements going to come together in that space and um so the the fact that the work is malleable
1: mm-hmm.
2: I don't know if Dana would say that. you'd have to ask her after the show, but that's <laughs> what I would say so
1: It makes a very uh, like a magical presence almost to have to you know be in that man- malleable spa- uh, state to just be kind of ready for. Like oh, actually, we're not doing it at Nagola tonight. <laughs>
2: yeah, because yeah, I mean, like, I always have fantasies to do it. You know, and like, let's do it at a music show, or I don't know, like, just the spaces that we don't belong, that we do belong, that we're in between. Like, I, I always have those fantasies. But um, I think those guys would. I mean, I know that Jamie and Dana would probably be up for it, but. Um, Yeah, I know we have talked about the life after Agora. I'm not sure what's gonna happen. I'm excited to see. So it's to be seen.
0: Well, before that, anyway, there's going to be the short Agora that's coming <laughs> right up. Um, just to remind everyone of the dates, uh, the piece is called Somewhere Between Maybe. It's by the company Animals of Distinction, choreographed by Dana Jengra in collaboration with her dancers Sonia Stefan, who's with us right now in the studio, and Jamie Wright. Um, and that will be at the de la Danse, of course, February 11th, 12th, 13th at 8 p.m. in Montreal. Uh, now, before we go, uh, You've mentioned the uh, the caretaker. Um, is there an excerpt, excerpt we could listen to of the uh, the caretaker? Is it like the name of the album, or is it a song?
2: It's um, it's um, the whole album. It's a whole album. I could. My side is called the relationship. That has just begun or the relationship that had begun there's something about a relationship it's because i'm in love right now so i got the relationship side anyway
0: again framing yeah (laughs) i decide to remember this aspect because of that Mm. (laughs) so uh before we go well thank you so much sonia Stefan, for coming on in the in this studio in the recording studio with us today um to talk about animal animals of distinction with somewhere between maybe And uh, before we go We'll be listening to an excerpt uh, From the album The Caretaker Thank you so much Sunny.
2: Thank you you guys
0: at the Montreal Improv Theatre and is currently recorded out of Mainline Theatre. Thanks, dudes.
1: Dirty Feet is produit et animé par Produced and hosted by Alison Burns
0: J.D. Papion,
1: and Stéphanie Robert. You can find out more about our show at nomoreradio.com Follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet and find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast Vous pouvez écouter tous nos épisodes sur notre site web ou Vous vous sur iTunes podcast.
0: Listen to past episodes on website or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes.
1: While you're there, be sure to give us a rating and or leave a comment to help us spread the word. Tune in next week for a whole new show.